We're about to dedicate some babies to the Lord. Here at LifePoint, we do not baptize babies. We believe in believer's baptism, meaning one day these three kids will come to faith in Jesus on their own. And when they do, they will make that step of faith, that choice to obey on their own. But what we do practice at LifePoint is this. We dedicate our babies to the Lord, meaning we acknowledge that they are a gift given to us. We are stewards of these young lives. And we, in turn, as families and as a church, we turn and give them back to Jesus and we dedicate ourselves to raising them, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, 4, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So in a minute, in a minute, I'm going to ask these couples to come around the front with their babies, and we're going to pray for them. But first, I would like to share a thought. The classic illustration of parents having an impact on their kid is found in the story of Moses. It's a story of affirming parenting, fearless parenting, and pro and reactive parenting. Hebrews 11, 20 through, through 26 gives us sort of a summary. It says this, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Notice, by faith. The faith was not Moses' faith. The faith was his parents' faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. This is affirming parenting. And they were not afraid of the king's command. This is fearless parenting, courageous parenting. And They hid him for three months. That's the proactive and the reactive parenting. By faith, Moses, notice now he has faith. When he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of in Egypt, and he looked to the reward. The question is, why did Moses refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh when he became of age, even though it cost him to suffer? Really, the question should be, who caused him to do this? Exodus gives us a little more a little more information, Exodus 2, 1 through 13. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reed by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. 
And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went, this is Miriam, and called the child's mother, Jochebed. The Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you wages. So the woman, Jochebed, took the child, nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses because I drew him out of the water, she said. His mom, Moses' mom, Jochebed, and don't underestimate the impact of Moses' father, Amram, in this story. They affirmed him. They taught him not to be afraid. They taught him to be courageous, to act on his convictions and his faith. His parents made a mark on his soul that could never be erased. His parents made a mark on his soul that the universities of Egypt could not get off of that soul. No matter what Pharaoh said, no matter what his rock star status as the son of Pharaoh or grandson of Pharaoh offered him, Moses chose to suffer with the people of God because Amram and Jochebed had put a mark on his soul. They had an impact on him. He chose to suffer rather than enjoy pleasure because his mom and dad had modeled that for him and mentored him along those lines. Nick and Shana, Michael and Chloe, Ray and Heather, you have the same power to make a mark on your kid that can never be erased. Do you realize that? The world will try to influence these babies. The devil will try to put bents in them. They'll have peers and teachers and celebrities that'll put pressure on them and try to leave a mark on them. But never underestimate the power that you have to leave a godly mark on the soul of these precious children, just like Amram and Jochebed. So I want to ask Nick and Shana, come up. Come up here right now if you come around the front with Oliver and Lennox. It was great having Nick on the drums today, wasn't it? Did a great job. Michael and Chloe come up with Julian and Hadley and Ray and Heather. Well, our elders, Mr., I should say, Ray and Miss Heather, right? Come up with little Eloise and Weston and Lillian and, well, and Nathan. And I would ask their families, if you would come around them as well, just come up to the front, stand around them. If you all would stand in the audience, we're going to spend just a few minutes praying for each of these. We don't want to, we don't want to overplay this, but we certainly don't want to underplay it. This is very important, especially in this day and time. Man, there's so much pressure on our kids. Talking about fasting, social media. When I was a kid, thank God we didn't have the internet. Can I get an amen? amen? The trouble I could have gotten in. I got in enough trouble without that kind of help. I'm telling you, we need the fear of God in our families, the hand of God on our lives, 
the protection of the Lord in our families. My pastor, Brother Dean, who's on this church board, my pastor asked the Lord one time to help his kids fear the Lord. And the Lord replied back to him and said, teach them to fear me because the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear my name. The Lord said, you teach your kids to fear God and I'll put a hedge around them, a protection that is supernatural. I want to close with this. A little boy went swimming one afternoon in a lake next to his home in Florida. His mom was watching from her window and to her horror, she saw an alligator swimming for the boy. She got to the dock just in time to grab her son by the arms, but the alligator grabbed him by the legs. She tugged on that boy, and she punched at that alligator with all of her might until finally a neighbor overheard what was going on and came over and shot that alligator. That little boy survived. And he had scars. But in addition to the scars on his legs from the alligator, the boy had scars on his arms because his mother refused to let go. And I'm telling you, may the marks that you make on your babies save them. And may they run deeper than the marks that this world leaves on them trying to steal them away from the house of God. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray for these right now. If you would stretch your hand out, we're going to pray for these babies and these families. Let's just take a few minutes with this. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see little Eloise right now, God. I thank you for your hand of protection on her. I thank you, Lord, for protecting this family, God. You brought them through many trials and tribulations, God. You have protected them. Your hand has been upon them. And I lift up Ray and Heather I lift up Lillian and Nate, Father. I lift up these beautiful children. I speak over this mom and dad and this family. I pray, God, that you would be a blessing to them, a protection for them. We dedicate ourselves and we dedicate our baby to you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. And Michael and Chloe, Father, we lift them up right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your hand that's upon them, Lord. You have protected them. You brought them this far, God. I lift up Hadley, Father. I lift up Julian. I speak your blessing on him, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I pray for Michael and Chloe, God. Give them wisdom in this day and age, God, to be the parents that you've called them to be. Let them create an atmosphere in that home. We can't control this world, but, God, we can control the atmosphere in our homes. And I pray, God, that they would create an atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, God, in Jesus' name. I lift up these families, Lord. I pray for Nick and Shana, God. I lift them up right now in Jesus' name, this man and woman of God. You see them, Lord. I lift them up right now, Lord Jesus. I lift up Lennox, Father. I lift them up in Jesus' name. I speak your blessing on them, Lord God. I lift up Oliver, Father. I pray your blessing on him, God. We dedicate ourselves. We dedicate our babies to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us as a church, God, to create an atmosphere that is safe, Lord. We pledge ourselves to these children, God, so they can have the best life possible, Lord, a life of faith and conviction. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah.
And we have some roses and a Bible with that baby's name on it. And we love you so much, and we love these families. God bless you. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. Hey, buddy. Awesome. Love y'all. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yes. My pleasure. We love y'all so much. Amen. And we want to we wanna have a church that is uh, a safe place for kids. We love kids. And we have kids ministry. As a matter of fact, our wildlife kids can now go back here with Valerie, your guide for wildlife kids today. It looks like a rambunctious crew, Valerie. I hope you got some help. And our toddlers can go with Miss Julie. Awesome. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of the word? Great to have our guests in the house. We started Discover Life this morning with a whole new crew of people that are coming to get involved in Life Point. And we've got more coming. We've got a pastor's breakfast coming up, man. We've got like amazing things on the table, a lot of momentum. It's great to see all of you here today. It's great to have Rodney Boswell in the house, like I said. I heard Anthony Butler preached this past Wednesday night and did a great job. As a matter of fact, I listened to the podcast, and I know he did a great job. Yeah, so you can go to the website, go to media on the drop box, the drop down, and you can find all of our messages, and you can find that one on there. He preached, God and I own my future, and it was awesome, story of Joseph, and it's great to have all of you here. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. We missed all of you on Wednesday night. Valerie and I were out of town. Aaron was out of town. We uh, were at a meeting called Because of the Times, which is a very impactful meeting for me, and this year especially. You'll hear more about it in the next few weeks. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Do you know what the word gospel means? You know that, right? Good news? To preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'd like to preach a message today entitled, Fake News versus Good News. Fake News versus Good News. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would anoint me to speak it, anoint us to hear it, God. Speak to somebody today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We had an awesome time this past Sunday with David and Connie Bernard in the house. It was incredible, powerful move of God. Grace has the last word. You can go check that out on the podcast as well. Fake news versus good news. Friday was the inauguration of the 45th president of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump. 
Presidential inaugurations are such epic events in American culture, full of pomp and circumstance, traditions. It's the peaceful transfer of power. And during the last 30 days or so, in this particular transition period, where Trump was going from president-elect to president, the concept of fake news became a thing. What is fake news? Well, in this recent version of it, it was attached to the matter of the Russians hacking the DNC and stealing the election. It involved a dossier written by a former British spy. A senator sought out that dossier that had all kind of scandalous allegations. And this spy supposedly had Russian intelligence Sources that got him the dossier and the information. Credible news agencies refused to report on the dossier because it was unsubstantiated, unverified, no corroborating evidence. And then some news agencies did report on it, and that news became known as fake news. But fake news is nothing new. In 1912, amateur archaeologist Charles Dawson claimed to have found the infamous missing link. For 40 years, Piltdown Man was accepted in the scientific community as real news. But in 1953, this paleoanthropological anomaly that's a mouthful, was exposed as being a human skull and an orangutan jawbone put together and making it, you guessed it, fake news. Everybody say fake news. On October 30th, 1938, under the direction of the one and only John Hausman, Orson Welles began broadcasting on CBS radio that the earth of all things, was being invaded by Martians. And it created this widespread panic, traffic jams, chaos. People believed that the earth was being invaded by Martians because of the text and the convincing voice of the great Orson Welles. It was just an adaptation of H.G. Wells, no kin, not even spelled the same, War of the Worlds, but it was perceived as real news when it was simply, you guessed it, fake news. In September of 1969, the news reported that Paul McCartney had died and been replaced with a lookalike. Some of you may remember that. Replaced with a lookalike. The story caught traction and spread like wildfire. It was wildly believed to be real news. In December of 69, McCartney granted an interview to Life magazine in an attempt to prove that the story had been fake news. It was fake news. In 1996, I love this one, Taco Bell took out ads in several U.S. newspapers claiming that in order to help reduce the national debt, 
They had purchased the Liberty Bell. And it would now be called the Taco Liberty Bell. (laughs) They encouraged other corporations to do likewise and buy up national treasures to help reduce the national debt. It was seen as real news by many, but it was, you guessed it, it was fake news. Fake news has always been around. It didn't just come around with this last news cycle. On June 2nd, 1897, Mark Twain told the New York Journal, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. There's funny fake news, parody, like The Onion. The Episcopals in Maryland I used to work for were all about The Onion. And SNL, Saturday Night Live, had its infamous weekend update, fake news. But there's also fake news that's much more serious. Governments, for instance, have used fake news for centuries. In 57 AD, Nero set Rome on fire, burned it down, played the fiddle while it burned, and then blamed the fire on the Christians, creating a great persecution for the church. Goebbels used propaganda in Nazi Germany, just fake news, and swayed a nation to commit, or at the very least, accept grave atrocities during World War II. Kim Jong-un, Chairman Mao, Joseph Stalin, Nikita Khrushchev, all used propaganda and misinformation to further their agenda. And here we are back at Russia. I'm not saying the United States has not been above using fake news to move an agenda. But the bottom line is this. Fake news is just another way of saying lie. Lie. The devil is called the father of all lies. He is the originator of lies. Back in Genesis 3, he told Adam and Eve, Hath God said that you may eat of all the trees of the garden? They said, oh no, we can eat of all of them except this one. He went on to say, oh, that's not true. If you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God. God just doesn't want you to become like him. That was fake news. Everybody say fake news. Fake news is used to deceive. It is used to cause people to stay away from the truth, to believe a lie. Jesus said in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So you could say that fake news is what the devil uses to keep people in bondage, to keep us in chains. But... Before this day is over, I believe that by God's grace, he's going to break every chain and every lie that's kept people in bondage and in slavery. They're going to melt away and the truth is going to make some people free. Can I get an amen? In our reading, Jesus said he came to proclaim the gospel. That's good news. The good news to the poor. To the poor. Everybody say the poor. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about money. God wants to bless, and he does want to prosper his people. He really does. But money is funny, 
And in North American Christianity especially, there are those who get wrapped up in prosperity and gold Cadillacs and being wealthy is a sign that God's accepted you and blessed you. But I know plenty of rich people who don't know a thing about God and who don't honor God at all with their money. Can I get an amen to that? And then there are others who have, in Christianity, wrapped poverty in some kind of beautiful package like being poor is a sign of God's acceptance and blessing. But I've known plenty of poor people who didn't love God, didn't honor God at all. So let's just kind of, with that in mind, take money out of the context of what Jesus is saying here. Just for a minute, let's just remove money from the equation and let's talk about being poor with other ideas in mind. Let's look at poor as being separated from God, far away from God, unable to connect with God, unable to make ends meet. You ever struggle with your money like that? We're not able to make ends meet this month. We're not able to, to, to meet our obligations. Well, let's look at being poor as being not able to make ends meet. I can't seem to get connected to God. Another way we can look at poverty, being poor here in the context of this verse, bearing the burden of unforgiving, unforgiven sin. Like there's a debt that you can't pay off at all. It's unforgiven sin weighing on you. Or having a poverty of peace. I can't get peace in my life. I can't sleep. I, I, I have no peace. Or having a joy shortage. I just don't have any joy. Or, or being broke, broken with no hope for tomorrow. What then would good news be to the man or woman who is poor like I just mentioned? Well, good news would mean I can get connected to God. Good news would be God can forgive me of this sin and remove this burden. Didn't, didn't Jesus say when you pray, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted towards us. Uh, good news would be there is an abundance of peace. He, he gives his beloved rest. There's peace in my life. Being wealthy with joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Sorrow sapped away my strength. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm wealthy in joy. Having hope for tomorrow and a hope for wholeness. God can put the pieces back together again. I'm here to tell you today, the devil is a liar. He is the author of fake news. And he wants to fill our hearts with fear and hopelessness. Fake news is the devil's propaganda. But Jesus said he came to preach good news to the poor. And here's what that looks like. He can heal the brokenhearted. He can bring liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are oppressed. Amen? You can be forgiven. You can be put back together again. You can be set free. There is healing in his name. There is deliverance in his name. And yes, there is provision even with your finances in the name of Jesus. There's a great story that illustrates this. One of my favorites is tucked away in Mark 10. It's in some other books as well. 
in the Gospels, but Mark 10 is where I want to focus, starting at verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this guy. It lists him as blind Bartimaeus. Like his first name is blind and his last name is Bartimaeus. You know, in preacher world, sometimes I think a preacher's first name is brother or pastor because he's called brother so-and-so. But that's not his first name. We do that in church world sometimes to each other. This is blind Bartimaeus. We really don't even know his name because Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. We don't even know who this guy is. But he's just referred to as blind Bartimaeus. But blind Bartimaeus had heard of Jesus. Look at 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. There was this recognition of Jesus, who he was, who he claimed to be. Word had spread and reached the ears of blind Bartimaeus. He heard about this Jesus of Nazareth. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, there were lots of guys named Jesus, but Jesus of Nazareth, this is a particular Jesus. And and it was in Nazareth that this Jesus disclosed. In our reading, he said, I have come to preach the gospel the good news to the poor. I've got good news for the poor. Bartimaeus had heard of this Jesus and undoubtedly heard of his claims. He had come to preach good news to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, and the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind? Are you kidding me? The fake news undoubtedly had told Bartimaeus, you'll never see again. The propaganda had said to him, you'll always be blind, Bartimaeus. You're always going to be identified as blind. But there's Timaeus, he's fine and dandy. You're the son of Timaeus, but you're not like your daddy. You're blind. You're blind, Bartimaeus, the misinformation said, you deserve this. There's no hope for tomorrow. But Bartimaeus had simply gotten wind of some good news. Good news. And I'm here today. I know some of you have gotten some fake news and you've got it deep in your spirit. But I'm here to bring you some good news. I'm preaching the message, fake news versus good news. That the fake news cannot stand up under the strength and the power of the good news. There is a God who knows who you are and knows how to change your situation. He knows how to turn it around. 
And this prompted Bartimaeus. He understood. So in his current state of blindness, he, he understands Jeez, this is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the guy that had good news for blind folks. This is the guy that had the good news. And so it says, it says that it, as, as clumsy as it may have seen, as, as, as strange as it may have been, in, in his blindness, with his disability fully intact, he began to pursue Jesus. In other words, if he tripped, if he stumbled, I've got a dog named Opie. Y'all have heard me talk about Opie for years. Opie is old as Methuselah now in dog years. He, he started out as a puppy. We got him as a little puppy. And now he's 14 years old. He's a Maltese. Poor little fella. He's deaf and he's blind. He's totally blind. He's still got his nose. It's not as sharp as it used to be. But he sniffs around, but his sniffing around still doesn't prevent him from walking into walls and walking into cabinets and walking into poles and walking into table legs and walking into people and walking into chairs and walking into beds. And Opie just sniffs around and, and he, he just walks into stuff. And sometimes I know what he's looking for, sometimes I don't. I try to help Opie out, but he's just clumsy and goofy and he just runs into stuff. Bless his heart, he don't know any better. You ought to hear Valerie talking to him, loving on him. Shad, Pierre, baby, you know, I love you. You know, come here, Opie. Holding him and picking him up and taking him where he needs to go. She told me she wanted to get one of those, one of those baby slings and just put Opie in that baby sling. Walk him around, you know, and help him out. Poor old Opie in, in, his, in, his, in his last days. And, and so here, here, here's Bartimaeus. He's blind and he hears about Jesus and he doesn't wait for his miracle. He, he stands up and he begins to pursue, to pursue Jesus, no matter how foolish it may have seemed. He was desperate. He was willing to move on just a whisper of good news, you know, to a thirsty man, to a man that truly is thirsty. All it takes is just a little drop of water. They'll do anything. Just give me a, just, I, I am so thirsty. Just a, hmm. Just a little drop of water. When I was a kid, I used to ride my bike around in the summer, and I didn't want to stop for nothing. I was loving riding my bicycle, and I'd get so thirsty and parched, I wanted something to drink. We didn't have bottled water back in the day. I'm old as Methuselah too, you know. And we didn't have bottled water in the day for crying out loud. We had canteens. I used to have a canteen. I'm talking about World War II Army canteen, aluminum metal canteen. And, and, and I'd wear that thing around at times. And if I ran out of water in my canteen, I must have been a weird kid, right, riding a bicycle with an army canteen on. But if I ran out of water in my canteen, I was still thirsty. If I found a puddle, I'm just being honest. I, as a little kid, had poor upbringing, poor upbringing. Tell my mom and dad that next time you see. And I'd get down on my hands and knees. And I'd lead, I, didn't, I learned you don't stir it up. You keep it where it is, and you can get the surface, right? Boy, I'd drink some water out of a lot of, lot of puddle. That makes you sick kind of, doesn't it? That's how I rolled back in the day. Poor upbringing. To a thirsty man, just, just a little bit of water. Uh, that, that thirsty man, that thirsty woman will do whatever it takes to get that 
little drop of water. I, I wish I had some desperate people here today because I'm telling you, the good news always trumps the fake news. The word says, let God be true and every man a liar. You may have thought there was no hope. You may have thought you'll never get out of this situation, but I'm telling you, there's good news. So even though you don't see the answer, get on your feet, begin to feel after him and reach for him and cry out to him because he will come through. He will come through. Hallelujah. The devil's lied to some of us, told us we'd always be this way. We'll never change. It's our own fault. There's no hope. That's just fake news and propaganda and misinformation. The good news is you don't have to stay the same. This cycle can be broken. Bartimaeus was going nuts, and he was... It says he was crying out. He was screaming. He was screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son, you know what? He wasn't, there was some theology in the idea of the son of David. Bartimaeus came from a Jewish background, knew that there was a curse reverser coming. But he didn't know that Jesus was that one but he believed it. He didn't, if he had known it, there would have been no need for faith. But he was hearing the message and choosing to believe it. He believed he was the one that could change his life. But I don't see Bartimaeus as a deep theological person. He had just heard things about Jesus. He had heard some stories about Messiah coming and he just figured this must be the one because he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and that's from Isaiah and Isaiah said that that's the word that would be spoken about regarding Messiah and that Bartimaeus believed but he wasn't trying to give a theological treatise he was just saying hey Jesus have mercy on me this was a cry of mercy this wasn't a cry of uh, uh, Bible debate and let me quote a hundred scriptures and show you what I know this was a cry of a man who was desperate saying I got a hope and a prayer and I believe you're the one would you please have mercy if you're the one would you please just have mercy I'm telling you a man or a woman that cries out to God for mercy is in good shape because I got a God who is merciful who is faithful who is full of compassion and mercy and old Bartimaeus was crying out. Bart Sometimes I say Nicodemus instead of Bartimaeus. If I do that, y'all stop me. I get the two confused in my preaching sometimes. I get all carried away. But old Bartimaeus, check this out. Bartimaeus, it says he cried out. The wording there is to cry and to yell and to scream like a woman in travail. Now, they didn't have epidurals back then. This is natural. I don't want to go there. Okay, I don't want to go there. But I'm just saying, this man was crying out. I can't even duplicate that because, it, you know, he was feeling it in the moment. It was so real. He was screaming, Jesus. Listen, this was Jesus' last time to ever come by this way in his earthly ministry. He wouldn't go by there again. In this last campaign, he's headed to the cross. He's going to encounter 
He's going to encounter Zacchaeus, and he's going to encounter Bartimaeus. They're the last two. It, it, besides the thief on the cross, the last and, and the Roman centurion, these are the last two in his earthly ministry that we know of by name as to what happened to them. This is the last two. Bartimaeus doesn't understand that. He just knows I got one shot right now. Listen, you might not have another church service to seek after the Lord. You might not have another moment where you can cry out in desperation. You might not ever get this opportunity again. And that's the attitude that old Bartimaeus adopted. He may never come this way again. I can't get to Nazareth, but he's come to me. I'm telling you, we can't always get where he is, but he'll come right where we are. And it's up to us to cry out, I need mercy. I need mercy. Help me, God. I'm in a desperate situation. You get a man or a woman that cries out to God from the gut, man, with a desperation. And I got a God whose ear is not heavy that he cannot hear and his arm is not short that he cannot save. And you don't have to figure out how he's going to do it because he's God. He didn't ask you how to make the oceans and how to put the earth right here and the sun right here. He doesn't need your advice on how to get you out of the situation you're in. You just cry out to him and watch him make a way where there seems to be no way. Can I get an amen? Amen. Bartimaeus cried out to the Lord. It had to be disturbing. As a matter of fact, it was. Verse 48 says, Then many warned him to be quiet. They warned him. Hey, buddy, you need to keep it down. You you know who that is? That's Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the great healer, deliverer, son of the living God. This always sounds more sophisticated when you put an accent on it, right? I'm sure they spoke with a British-like accent. Messiah, what are you doing? Screaming like an idiot. Keep it down. I wish we had church that has some wild people in it. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We got too much arrogance in us, man. I got this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to find a way. We're going to work on this. We're going to fix it ourselves. When, when the reality is a lot of times we just make it worse and dig it deeper and make it worse and dig it deeper. And if we would just say, God, I'm not exactly sure what to do, but if you will help me in this situation, I'm, I'm just asking you, have mercy. I don't deserve it. Maybe I created it myself. I don't deserve it, but uh, your help, but God, but God, please, would you just please help? And just that idea of mercy, humbling ourselves in the presence. That's what we need more of in church. That's where the deliverance is. Some people say, where's the miracles and where's the healing? Get on your face. Get on your knees. Humble your heart and ask. Cry out, Jesus, I gotta have some help. I'm telling you, you get desperate like that. I don't mean a surface religious desperation, but from the heart, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. 
God will heal your body. God will make a way. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Woo! Hallelujah! 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 We needed some Bartimaeuses. Doesn't matter. I don't even, you don't even have to know my name. I'm just blind. Bartimaeus and nobody on the side of the road. But Jesus, hear me. Please hear my cry. I need some help. I need some help. And watch what God does. There's a move of the Holy Ghost in this house right now, I'm telling you. You can feel it. We've stepped into something here. There's a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 There is a depth God wants us to go into as a church, as a, as a, as a body, and as individuals. Oh, I told you I've been so sick of Christianity the way we do it. Just the road and ritual. We, man, we're quick to criticize other traditions. Oh, they stand up and they kneel down. They stand up and they kneel down. It's like clockwork. They just recite prayers, not deep. And we'll criticize this one and that one. And we're just as guilty of going through religious calisthenics and motions as anybody else. Oh, we're having all kind of theological debates. Listen, and I'm all for correct theology, but I'm just telling you, when you open that heart up and say, God, I'm vulnerable. I have needs. I got broken places. But I hear, I hear, you got good news for the poor. I hear you heal the brokenhearted. Heal your breathe, recovering a sight to the blind. My, my, I've got broken places, Lord. Oh, if you just help me. I'm telling you, I serve a great and a powerful God. Just lift your hands right now all across this room. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank him for his presence. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Woo. Thank you for your presence, Lord. 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 Nicodemus was criticized by the Christians, but Jesus said, I hear somebody calling me. I know there's a thousand people around me, but I hear somebody calling me. Bring him here to me. I want to meet him. Nicodemus, thank you. I told you I'd do that. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus wore a particular robe. And I don't know if this was, you know, you go down to the local thrift store and buy the beggar's robe. I, I, don't, I, I don't know the history enough to know, you know, maybe it had stripes on it that identified him as a beggar. I think it's obvious he's a beggar. He's blind. He's sitting down shaking a cup, more than likely. But he had a robe, 
that at least identify him. It was his suit, his outfit, his beggarly robe, the robe that he wore when he was doing what he did in his broken condition. And when, when he cried, the Bible said they tried to shut him up and he cried out even louder. I love that. Total disregard for protocol. Oh, but let everything be done decently and in order. Haven't we had enough of playing around with that verse to make sure that church stays in our control? If I think you're out of order, I'll tell you. I'm lead pastor here. I'll let you know. If you still carry on, we'll call the cops. You know, like, whatever. It's a safe place, but, you know, you go crazy. We, we have officers. We have, we have deputies in the house today. We, we'll take care of you. He cried out even more. Jesus stops. Somebody, it wasn't the, I don't think it was the volume, the decibels. He heard this man's heart, his faith. And Jesus said, I hear, I hear the sound of faith. You know, he was always notoriously saying, and he said it to this guy, your faith made you whole. He heard faith and he stopped. I hear somebody crying out in faith. Who is it? Bring him here to me. And so the very ones that criticized him were like, hey, buddy, he wants to see you now. Now, maybe they were getting brownie points, you know, like, like we're on your side now because Jesus is on your side. Or maybe they were like, he's really going to stick it to you, you know, and tell you how you're just too noisy. Well, they get him, he goes to Jesus, but it says as he went, he took that coat. Now, he's blind. They're helping him. I think he was like, just a second, guys, just a second. Hold on. Ain't ever coming back to this coat again because I'm about to get into the presence of the one who can change my life forever and I've cried out in mercy and I'm never coming back to this way of hopelessness and brokenness again because I have trust and faith that this Jesus will not leave me the same way he found me Hey, we're all about come as you are. But when you get in the presence of God with faith in your heart, you'll never be the same. You will never be the same. You will never be the same because he is a merciful God with strength and power and creativity and he will change your life. Stand with me right now all across this building. Stand with me. He is a merciful God. He is a great God. He's a great God. And I love the way that the Lord approached him. He said, Bartimaeus, son, what is it that you want from me? I think he was licking his chops. He knew what was coming next. What do you want from me? Now, he asked the same question to a couple of his disciples here in the same, the same expedition. He said, what do y'all want? And one said, I want to sit on your right hand. I want to sit on your left hand. Now, I'm not cutting this down. I'm not against these. We bring them out as needed. But it's almost like the infamous preacher chair. 
Anybody know about the preacher chairs on the platform? Well, I used to work in the Episcopal Church. They had preacher chairs that looked like king's thrones. And the bishop would sit on it. And the priest would sit on it. And the visiting clergy would sit on it. And it was just like prestigious. But I've been in Pentecostal churches that had even bigger preacher chairs than the Episcopals. Looked like enormous thrones. And they'd sit on those chairs and it was the place of power and authority and prestige. I sound like I'm against them. I'm not. We don't have them. But I'm just saying we bring them out as needed. I'm not cutting anybody down to have them. I'm just saying those two, those two, James and John, Jesus says, what do you want from me? Oh, I want to sit on your right hand and I want to sit on your left hand. When you come into your kingdom, we, we want to be, you know, your two favorites in places of great authority and power. Oh, not Nicodemus. Nicodemus. I mean, think about it. Jesus is saying, what do you want from me? He didn't, Bartimaeus, thank you. I told you. I got a bad problem with it. Bartimaeus didn't say that. He didn't say, give me a chair next to your throne, a really nice, elaborate chair. Give me a, give me, let me sit on your right side when you come into your, no, he said, it was a humbling thing. I, I have broken places. I want to see. I've lived this way forever. The fake news said, I'll never see again. But I heard you've got good news. Hallelujah. Can you bow your head right now where you are? Father, there's good news in this house today for the poor, for those who acknowledge their poverty. I'm brokenhearted. I've been held captive too long to some things. I've been bruised. Lord, I, I've been blinded. I need some help. And I hear you got good news. It's just a whisper of some good news. I, I think it may be true. I'm, I'm crying out in desperation. Not for a seat at your table, not for a seat at your right hand or your left hand, but just, oh God, that I might see, that I might see. The first thing, listen to me, that Bartimaeus saw was the face of Jesus. When his eyes were opened, there he was, the son of David. I'm gonna ask you right now, some of you, listen, this is gonna be a humbling thing. We're gonna give an altar call. It's an old-fashioned altar call. But God, God is wanting to take some of you to a new level, to a new experience with him. You, you thought you had hit the mountain peak. Some of us thought we hit the mountain peak and we're just like old blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road begging. But, but God wants to give you a new destiny and a new future. And I'm gonna, I, I believe God's called you. You felt that hook in your spirit. The, the Bible talks about the Lord putting a hook in Gog and Magog's jaw and pulling them down. Uh, speaking prophetically, Ezekiel and uh, nations in the Bible. If God can do that to a nation, listen, God's put a hook in your heart and he's pulling on you today. And he's saying, I've got a destiny for you. I've got, I've got more for you. If you have felt that, I want you to 
in a sense, just take your old way of living and forget about it. Just forget about it. That's the fake news, you. 